Wow. What's it going to be like in heaven? Lord, I just thank you for the hope you put in my heart that I will see you one day. And everybody else who has you in their heart, you're going to take us to heaven, whether <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're so faithful, Lord. I just bow down before you. And I just I lift the whole church into your hands. It's your bride. And you will take care of it. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm, uh, oh, I don't have that thing. Oh, thanks, brother. Thank you very much. So, Matthew 11, 7 to 15. This is Jesus' testimony about John the Baptist. Uh, you probably have favorite characters in the Bible. I have three, but this guy I love a lot. John the Baptist. He's one of my favorite characters. And as John's disciples were leaving, remember, this is Jesus' testimony about John the Baptist. So nobody can get it any more truthful than Christ. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what, then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We'll go out for a coffee. That's deeper than you think, trust me. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. John the Baptist is a wonderful example of a servant of the Lord. Wonderful. You see, I've run across a lot of people in the Christian church, Pentecostal, Christian Missionary Alliance, Presbyterian, all through, Catholic, everything. And I've noticed that there are people that are very radical for the faith, or some. But that doesn't impress me. What impresses me is when a person is radical for their faith, when they're humble. Hear me what I'm saying. You can be radical and not humble, and it's a, a disgrace. But if you're radical and humble, it's so beautiful to see. I have one friend in Vancouver who's like this. He's radical. He does things that are I would never do. He... he Anyways, he's just radical, but he's very humble, and I know he's really truthful. You got a baby because he prayed for you. Do you remember that? This guy does things that are unusual. Maybe I should bring him back here. But I do love John the Baptist because he's radical and humble. 
Here we go. John chapter 3, 22 and 30. After this, this is where I'm at in John, the gospel. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salab, because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the, hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist submitted to God's sovereignty. That's my first first thing about a servant of God. A servant of God, a true servant of God, somebody who is a Christian, submits to the sovereignty of God. Okay? A true servant of God submits to the sovereignty of God. A true servant of God. Let me just, I want to re-emphasize this. John 3, 25 and 26. I'll read it again. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. Now, listen to us. And tell me, uh, just give a nod. Or even, you can even say amen if you want. Nothing brings out who you really are like an argument. <laughs> He's the only one, man. Holy, man. He got pinned. He got pinned. Everybody kept quiet. This is not fair. Everybody. It's John. It's John. But it's true, man. Does it ever show you who you really are? Soon as, and I'm telling you, I'm not talking about an argument where, but when you're fully in it, fully in it, and you have something to lose, like your ego. Boy, can you ever fight. And it usually happens with married people. Really heavy, man, really heavy. And it's almost impossible to stop it unless the Holy Spirit has filled you, you can pull back. And this argument was brought to John the Baptist. And I'm telling you, the first time I read it when I was doing this sermon, I had to stop it. I had to stop my sermon because God said, uh, yesterday, I'm coming to the men's group, I'm in the bed, rip it up. I did all my sermon. I do it again. He always done it a few times in my life. This is one of them. And I'm telling you, when I read this thing, man, J- 
John could have become so envious. You think of it. And this is what's happened. This happens in the ministry with amongst pastors. This is like competition. Who has the biggest congregation? Who has the most? And you know, it might not happen to you because you're not a pastor. So you can say, oh, that's no problem. I can handle it. But the minute that you're in charge and that you have a denomination over you, nah, it's not that easy. They ask for numbers and all that stuff. And it gets real tricky. So you start to be what? Envious. And it goes deep in my heart. And I only got rid of it almost about two years ago. Imagine that. I'm 60 when I got rid of it at 59. It was all there. Rivalry. Envy. Almost couldn't pray. And I was hiding until God said, this has to go or I can't have a revival. And when she prayed up here about unity, it just broke me. This was, and this is starting to break me about unity. This is the only way we're going to defeat the devil is if the church unifies. Not rivalry or envy, but unify. In the heart. Not, and, and the funny thing is, you could be in prayer, last Wednesday I'm in prayer, people can pray, and all of a sudden, my, not envy comes from a judgmental spirit. Like it or not, it really does. And it comes up, and you think, oh man, does this person ever pray like an idiot? Why doesn't he stop? Who's with me on this one? I'm telling you, I had to confess. Because every prayer is special in the eyes of the Lord. Because it's from a person's heart. And it's the arrogance in my heart. Because of, you know, and it pops up. It goes away, it comes back. It goes away. Are you with me? It pops up, comes back. You've got to really be ready with that shield to have it up. So it doesn't penetrate. Envy. This is a, a problem that everybody has. For believer and unbeliever. Everybody has. Everybody has. Listen to this. Here, here it is. Ecclesiastes 4.4. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Oh, imagine that. What he's saying? Isn't that wild? In a lost state, everything they do is out of envy. But just look how John the Baptist handles it. He doesn't get envious. This is why this man is so humble. Look at how he handles it. They come to him, stealing people from you, John. What are we going to do? To this, John replied, and this is one of my, oh, I better be fair. This is one of the favorite verses I have. Why? I'll tell you why. It's a hidden verse of sovereignty. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I'm sent ahead of him. What does he mean when he says that? A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. This is an act of, from John the Baptist of trusting the sovereignty of God. This is why he was able to do this, to be able to let it go. 
because he knew that everything came from God. And he could only receive what was coming from God, and he was satisfied. If you and I would get into that kind of thinking in our hearts, peace. Peace. John trusted in God's sovereignty because he realized that ultimately Jesus, who called him to the role of the forerunner, and he said, I yield, Lord. I yield. And he just let it go. This is what you have to do in, you know, let's say, somebody's better than you in school, somebody's better than me as a preacher, somebody's better than you and whatever. What we have to do is let it go and say, God, whatever you have given to me, I'm satisfied, I'm content, because you're in control. You know best, Lord. This has to come deep in all of our hearts. All of us. Not because I'm telling you, you want stability in your life? You want to have security in your life? Then you trust the sovereignty of Almighty God. That everything that you get from God is from God. I can say this all I want. I'll be on Monday, I'll probably be a basket case. This is, takes a practice to trust God's sovereignty. He's in control. Absolute command. When you know, when you and I know who is in control, I'm not talking about just because you go to church. I'm talking about a deep, deep-rooted trust that God's in control. Start happening when, uh, it happens when you have something really precious to you and it leaves you. Can you trust God with that? And when you know that when he placed me here as a pastor, the one thing that's kept me here, and I know it now, is that it was his purpose for my life. And he's in control. No one can take me out unless I make a sin against them. Then he says, remove yourself. Leave. But until I don't make a blow it, you stay here. You're secure here. I'll, even if I have to feed you by the ravens, I'll feed you by the ravens. It really did work like that 18 years ago. We had nothing, absolutely nothing. And things came in like the ravens. It's unbelievable. And then I forgot. And then I sing a song like, oh, your goodness, oh, you're going to just start weeping. Because I remember what God did for me. Are you with me? And he just brings it to you, and you just, do you ever have that? I, I look like an idiot sometimes. I'm oh, sobbing. Because I remember the goodness of Almighty God to get me here today when I could have been taken out, no problem. And he protected me. And I just wept today. You're so good, Lord. Who's with me? Amen. Just think of all the times he's protected you. And you know, the funny thing is when we get to heaven, you're going to find out the times when you didn't even know he protected you and he did. Imagine that kind of thanksgiving and worship. Eh? Seeing him unravel your life in front of you and say, this is what I did for you. Oh, 
Surely goodness and love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for... Oh, we'll, we'll, we all rejoice, man. It'll be so glorious, man. He's in control. Absolute command. It's funny that the birds obey him, and the fish obey him, and the stars obey him, and human beings disobey him. It's treason. It's act of treason. I get so convicted when I say that, but it's the truth. He has given us a free will. And he says, I'll trust you with it. I am in control. I am secure. I'm God. Isn't it beautiful? He can give you a free will and you can go mess up and he still can bring you back. That's him. Only he can do that. Beautiful, eh? I love, honestly, out of, I, not because of these guys. I don't know, but these guys I love, yes, but it's not because of these guys. John Piper and all my friends, okay? They're all my friends. They all believe in the sovereignty of God. It's not because I believe, they believe because I believe. I've read my Bible 20 times through and through, and it's there. God's in control. God sends the lions, they get eaten, and God takes the lions away. He's in control. People don't like that. He puts to death, he rises up. He's in control. One day he'll take away the free will. One day he'll take away your will. You give account. I'm so happy when I was coming to church today. I told my wife, I'm, I'm at this age in my life. I have no regret. People came to the Lord, man. Brought up a church. I asked him if I could do one more, one more request I have for him. I don't want to tell nobody yet, but I have one request before I go to heaven. He's done everything for me. Everything. God is so good. He answers our prayer. And, and, and I'm saying it because I'm preaching, so I can tell you. Now, if I told everybody to get up, what has he been done? I couldn't stop you people. And if you can't talk, oh boy. He's been so good. Amen? I've got to really think about this stuff, man. Out of his goodness, he delivered me. Didn't have to do that. Amen? Sovereignty. So in control. This is where my security comes from. For this, for my life, and for my death, for my everything. He's in control. I want to share with you one thing, how he's in control. Just, I had to do this, okay? Just, I wanted to back it up to pound the nail in. I want to pound the nail into your brain. Firmly embedded nail. Okay? Here goes. Remember now. The apostle, Judas, he betrayed Christ. So they're short one guy. Now, this is not a puny little pastor, and this is not a puny little elder. These are apostles. Okay? Strong opponents. People that have those kind of gifts. Heavy-duty stuff. And they're, they got to choose one guy. Pretty heavy. Because if you have a split of four to six, it's strong opponents, look out. Am I right? Then you have a division as in the starting of the church. Am I right? So what are they going to do? So let me just read this. I'll show you the sovereignty of God in this one. You guys are reading ahead too. That's not fair. I should have put them all on. Uh, all there. Now you're looking at what I'm going to say. That is not fair. 
I should have put all of them in another thing, because you get the answer already. Anyways, maybe you don't. Here goes. They proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. This is a good way to pray, eh? isn't it? Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Imagine doing a lottery to pick an apostle. I'm telling you, these apostles trusted the sovereignty of God. That's what it comes down to. They were able to say, we don't need to be in this decision. We can leave it with God. We'll cast lots. And look at the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is what? From the Lord. And look at why they did it. Here, I didn't put this down. God's in control. He's Just listen to this. I got it from John Nakanichi. He, he, he was talking to me today. You know what? Listen to this. It's so marvelous, the body of Christ, man, how they all have the Holy Spirit. You know why they did it like that? I didn't know until this morning, until I came here. Listen to this. Remember? 11 guys, really strong guys, right? Opponents, strong opponents. This is why they did it. In, in, in uh, Proverbs 18.18, 18, casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. Isn't that neat? That they put it into a lot because they knew there could have been a division. Too strong, these guys. And anybody who said no, it would have been a division. So they said, let's give it to God. Let God decide. Let God decide. And God decided this guy. Was he, do you think they were right to do that? They were absolutely right. Because they trusted in the sovereignty of God. And that's exactly what John did when he said, a man can receive only what is given him from? Marvelous. I want to get there like that, don't you? I'm not like that. I'm not like those apostles, those 11. Are you like that? Can you trust God? Hey, let's say, what house am I going to buy? Okay, I'll cast lots. <laughs> Think of it. This is apostles. This is to build a church. God is going to start building the church with these 12 men. One guy has to be picked, and they choose lots. This is sovereignty. This is where God says, I'm in control. I decide. You throw it in the lot, I'll pick the guy. How many of us would do that? I wouldn't do. I have a long way to go. To trust him like that. Trust his sovereignty. And, you know, and John the Baptist, he trusted his sovereignty, didn't he? He trusted it. I'm so far away from all this stuff, I'm just preaching. It's idealism. That's what it is. I, it's a great ideal. I'm down here, working through it. But this is the truth. This is the Bible. This is the, this is the authority. There it is. Here it is. I'm preaching from it. This is in the book. This is sovereignty. This is where I got where this God of the Bible is no other God like him. No one is beside Jesus. 
It's wonderful. I serve a God like that. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to die. He's going to be there. He's in control. Just read Job 38. Where were you when I made the wind? Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Eh? I serve a God like that. He saved my soul. I can sing like that. Amen? I was, oh, I'm just so joyful. John the Baptist trusted the sovereignty of God. From that verse, I get it. Second, John the Baptist served God by listening to God's voice. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. This is a real servant of God. You know, I'm, truthfully, I'm going to just say, uh, honestly, I'm just getting to the point where, at where we are in church now is that it's not for doing, doing, doing now. Now we have to be, 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 and God has to lead now. He has to lead. Because so much doing is probably just the flesh. Usually. Because when it is from the Spirit, you, you touch people's hearts, lasts forever, eternal. Usually some of my ministry is when I let the Lord lead, born again, saved. Usually when it's me and I'm trying to, I just want to be so sympathetic and I just want to be compassionate for Vanity. Vanity. Didn't hear his voice. Oh, you could say you heard his voice. The only way that you know that you can say you heard his voice, and this is a skill. This takes skill. This is a skill to hear his voice. Trust me. This is not overnight. I'm not trying to tell you to get there now. I'm just saying we're on a road together. But it's a skill to hear his voice. Because when you learn to hear his voice and God speaks to you like John the Baptist, he didn't just listen, he waited. He waited. And that's a skill. Because when you hear God, like Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch, what happened? Conversion. It's true. Because God knows. He knows everything that's going on. He knows who's going to get saved, who's not. He's the Lord of the harvest. He knows. It's a skill. It's where my whole being, like John the Baptist, I want to get there. Just like this, this verse. I want that. Because, listen to me very closely. When you start to move in listening to God's voice, you know what happens? This is what happens. And you start hearing his voice. And it's like, for me, this is what it's like for me. Tell me if it's like this for you. You ever have a, Huh, this is going to be heavy because I'm old, so try and follow me, okay? You, you have a radio receiver, and you have to get the channel, okay? You, nobody understands. <laughs> I've lost everybody. <laughs> Frequency, that's it. And, and you're going like this, and you go, and then the station comes in, and, go, and, then, and it goes away, and then and it comes in, it goes, goes away, comes in, it goes away. That's the way it is for me, listening to the Lord. Right now, as I stand at this age, it comes in, it goes up. comes in, it goes up. And then, and then sometimes it'll just, ah, I can really hear him. Woo! <laughs> then it goes away. Oh! Greg! Who's with me? Yeah. Oh, only John the Baptist. 
He had it in the desert. Apostle Paul. These guys learn the skill of listening to the Lord. It's a skill. It's discipline. It's, it's rigorous. It's to give up things. Me, I'm fasting now. My wife's in. I'm not joking now. This is between me and him. I don't want TV. I'm fasting now. And I'm fasting for certain foods. Uh, he's over there. We're doing it together. Not because I'm trying to, I'm just going to move the whole church into fasting. And I'm not fasting food. Fasting what is blocking you from God. Fasting what blocks you from God. Are you hearing me? Things block us. I can't. Me and Steve, we're different. What blocks him doesn't block me. You too, Greg. But something blocks, there's an obstacle that can make you hear God's voice so clear. Am I off? There's something in everybody's life that the Holy Spirit wants to go and say, this is blocking. And it's so hard. For me, with TV, it's so difficult. Like, not, I don't watch bad stuff. I just watch cop shows. And I've been doing that for years and years, man. And sports and all that. And God's saying, this is wasting your time. There's no power when you don't spend time with me. It fizzles out. So I started to fast with him. And pray. And now I'm really, I could hear him. And now he's telling me other things. It's incredible when you fast with what's blocking you from his presence. You weren't made for this world. That's why there's a deep dissatisfaction. You weren't made here. You were made for him. God's made you for himself. He saved you to say, I want you. I want you. I want you to hear my voice. Imagine hearing the living God's voice who made the heavens and the earth. And he speaks to you. And we go, don't you think the devil, he wants us to get into all kinds of things, man. Don't hear his voice. Nope. You listen to his voice, man. You will change, transformed. The media, phone, all that stuff, deadly for people nowadays. Hooked on it. I'm not judging. I'm just so glad I'm not in the emails and all the internet and all that stuff. I might be in it. I got my own problems. But I'm just saying things to you to hear his voice is the greatest treasure that you could ever have on heaven and earth. Just to hear him. And when you do, John Nekinichi, we're on the phone today, I'm not joking with you. He says, Miles, how you doing? He was at the men's group, men's breakfast. John, he says, I knew you were going to change your message, so I'm really, really curious. What were you going to say? Yeah, he did. I said, I got it. Took me 12 hours. It was in my head. You asked me, did I do my message, remember? It was right in my head. It went plop. And I told John, you know what, John? He's on the phone. He's almost weeping in joy. Not because of what I said, because the scriptures that God gave to me. I said, how are you doing, John? Oh, he says, I'm so joyful. It's not funny. I heard God. 
And he verified what I was trying to say. Not because of me. As soon as you hear the Lord, joy! Tremendous joy! Full of joy, joy. That's what you were made for. All of us in this room were made for it. When I hear Jesus Christ, man, I weep. Why are you talking to me, man? I don't deserve it. Are you like that sometimes? And he says, no, 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 I saved you so that we can have a relationship. Let's have a relationship. Let's go deep, Miles. You too, everybody in this place. He didn't save you so that you can just dance around on this world. He saved you so that he could have you for himself. God wants all of us, man. Can you see the intensity of how much he wants us that he would go through so much pain to win us? That's a lot of pain. Imagine how much he loves us then. And then to hear his voice, man. No wonder John the Baptist said, that joy is mine. And it's now what? Complete. Wow. That's all he wanted. That's all John wanted. Maybe that's what God is trying to speak to all of us. Eight, isn't it? Seven churches. All seven churches. What does Jesus say at the end? To him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Maybe that's what God wants. All of us listen together. Imagine that. Imagine if all of us did. Nobody's uh, distracted. Everybody's got that. Let's listen to Christ. Can you imagine, though? I'm not talking Rouge Valley. I'm talking the body of Christ in Canada. I'm talking about the United States. I'm talking about China. That the whole nation starts listening to the Lord Jesus Christ and marching on his orders. Look out. Would you agree? This is my vision. Before I die, this is what I ask God. Is it too big? Yeah, it's way beyond me. It's impossible, this vision. God can do it. He's in control. He doesn't want just little pockets of, of Christians. He wants the body to rise. There's evangelists in every, every, how many churches are in the district? 90? 95. I'm not sure. Something like that, Curtis told me. And I'm telling you, I want to see from here to all 90, one evangelist from every one, because if we get the gladiators, we get Canada. If we get the evangelists that have the office of evangelists, that's an authority from God. I'm looking for those people. I'm not joking. Think I'm joking? I'm not joking. Going after everything before I die. No, no, I'm not dying before I go to be with the Lord. I don't die. But I have to learn. Here's, here's where I, why I'm saying this. I got to learn how to hear his voice. I'm an amateur. <laughs> That's true. But once I start going in, what do you call it? Frequency? Frequency. And I start hearing his frequency. Then, as soon as I start hearing the Lord's voice, the commander-in-chief, look out. Frequently, frequently, I love it, I love it. Yes, oh yeah, frequently. Don't you want that? I'm going to tell you something. 
somebody sent me an email. And uh, when they sent me an email, no, the, what happened, I'm not going to tell the name. I don't have to tell the name. God knows. But man, did it ever, it fit my sermon. That's why he said switch it all around. I have a feeling it was because of this, for this thing. Somebody sent me an email. And uh, God said, read this email this person sent you for your sermon. I go, really? And as and, and soon as I read it, I knew, this is it. This person listens to the Lord. And she's like, this person's like me. But it's starting to zero in. And not just this person and me. Many in this church. We're all going to get on board. We're all going to start listening now. This is the way we bear fruit, eternal fruit, hearing the commander-in-chief. Okay? So listen to what this person says to me. I come up to this person and give the person a compliment, and the person looks at me and goes, and walks away. And I'm going, what the? And I was just trying to be nice, eh? So I go, and, I'm, and I have the crazy discernment, so I go away and I go, what the heck was that? And I didn't know what it was, so I, I just ignored it. I just did, because I didn't care. So I get the email the next day. I, the, apologizes to me, tells me the reason why, but then says this. And it goes fit with listening to his voice, how this person listened to it, the voice. But God has been talking to me a lot about just being a servant. He started with worship some time back, not allowing me to think about what others thought, but just him and then, and then praising him as if we were alone, and then afterwards not thinking about it unless he brought it to my mind. Not, not slathering my mistakes over and over my mind and not thinking so much on the parts that I did get, did get did, I did great on. I am merely a servant like John the Baptist. This is what I'm reminding you of John the Baptist. I'm just a servant. I, I'm to obey. On Saturday, God showed me what to pray on. He showed me some things and then told me to think of it like giving. Where you, don't let, where you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So I listened to what he desired for me to pray. Prayed over, and then if, then if my mind went to it later, I didn't let myself think about it. I just gave it back to God and went on. And I thought, she, this person is listening to the Lord. Because this was my problem. I was wondering, how do I deal with people who give me compliments and I get pride in my heart? And this person didn't know I was struggling with it. And I was asking God, how do I deal with it? And this person dealt with it. And so she helped me. And I heard God because she Oh, <laughs> I was so blessed because this person listened to the Lord. And I got set free. You follow? It's so important to listen to God and not just send emails or not just talk to people. Talk to God first. I'm much freer too on this end. In there. Much freer. I knew it was from him. When it's from him, it does something to me. It changes me in the inside. Didn't even say thanks yet. I will. 
last thing. John the Baptist is the, uh, I would say, this here is incredible verse. This is, John the Baptist, as I said, was a radical, but was humble. And this is the most, I'd say, one of the, next to Christ, Christ is in a class all his own, we know that. But next to Christ, John the Baptist, this is probably the most humbling verse I've ever read. The epitome of humility. This one. He must become greater, I must become less. What a verse. And you know, I'm going to tell you something, the cross is in this, and I don't know if John the Baptist knew. I don't know if John the Baptist knew the cross was in this. Do you see the cross in this? Because I must become less. There's only one way that any of us become less. How? Becoming like him in his death. We become less. And how do we, he become greater? When his resurrection rises in us. He becomes greater. This is the only way we can do this. When he, we become like him in his death, we become less and less. And when he rises up, and you know what? Ian Thomas, Major Ian Thomas, he had the saving life of Christ. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his death, the death of his son, this is the being less and less. How much more having been recon reconciled shall we be what? Saved through his life. This is the, when he rises in us, he becomes greater and greater. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. This is an incredible verse if you do it through the cross. If you, you want to become, you can't become less in your own strength. Nobody in this room can do that. But if we become less through the cross, you know, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, less and less, attaining to, somehow, attaining to the resurrection. There's greater and greater. This is the way God wants it. This is how we're servants of God. This is how you make a difference. Submitting to the sovereignty of God, right? Listening to his voice, eh? And humility, dying with him on a cross. This is the way it's done. Listen, I'm finished. If I say any more, no good. I just want everybody to understand one thing. What does God want from you out of this message? What do you think? There. Perfect. I like it. You know what? You ended my message. Dead with Christ. Say it again. That's it. That's it. Praise the Lord. Right? So, with that, the ending of the message. Are you, come up. Let's do communion. He already paid it all. He, you know what? I, George did me a favor one time. I'll never forget it. George Washington says things that will freak you out sometimes. <laughs> Trust me. Just pay attention. Because sometimes the voice of the Lord's done that. And he said, God wants 
God wants you to hear him more than you want to hear him. Remember that. God wants you to hear him more than you want to hear him. He wants you to listen, get joy, unspeakable, and die to self and live in Jesus. It's the only way, amen? So when you deal with God now with this message, it came at you in many different ways. But the one thing that God is telling me is, I would really challenge everybody in this room fast for what's the obstacle for hearing God. I'm not saying food. And if it's sin, you need to deal with it. As a preacher, I'm telling you, you need to deal with it. You will never hear God. He will hide his face from you. But if it's not sin and it's an obstacle, let him ask him to remove it in fasting, like I'm doing with TV. And we'll all have fun together hearing his voice. Come up, deal with him. Deal with him before you take communion.